According to an American study, support for Israel among young evangelical Christians has dropped by half in just three years. That rate of support for Israel among younger evangelicals has allegedly dropped dramatically from 69% to 33.6%. The 700 young evangelicals who were polled were aged between 18 and 29. And a lot of our Israeli friends are very alarmed about the study. Should they be concerned? And if so, what can be done about it? Why are the churches teaching Bible light rather than necessary in-depth studies? I learned that when a food label uses the term light, it indicates that a food has one-third fewer calories or 50% less fat than a comparable product. Trouble is, when it comes to this Bible, we need all the meat, milk, bones, and all the fat to have a balanced spiritual diet. A diluted, watered-down Bible results in a dangerous generation of biblical illiterates who may even turn against the God of Israel. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. Research conducted at the University of North Carolina among 700 evangelicals aged from 18 to 29 seems to indicate that evangelical support for Israel at least among the next generation, is in steep decline. However, although the study conducted in 2018 included evangelicals of all ages, it showed that overall support for Israel amongst evangelicals stands at 75%. But the consensus seems to be that young evangelicals aren't reading and interpreting the Bible differently from the way their parents and grandparents did. If the study is accurate, the question being discussed in Israel among those who believe in faith-based diplomacy is, why the shift? What happened? Why are young Christian adults biblically illiterate when it comes to Israel and end-time prophecies? According to analysis in the Jerusalem Post newspaper, one reason for the alleged drop in support among young evangelicals is that progressive theology is being taught to their generation. The young evangelicals are being told that they should develop more compassion towards the Palestinians. I certainly don't disagree with that because our ministry has always been to the Jews, to the Arabs, and to all the world, starting from Jerusalem. But young people are not always privy to the complicated security issues, such as Gaza being used as a proxy state for Iran, as well as all of the incidents of terrorism incurred by Hezbollah in the north of Israel. Israel's fight for survival is on many fronts, including the public relations front. Another factor turning young evangelicals away from support of Israel is the agitated atmospheres on college campuses. 
You see, more evangelical young adults are going to college than their parents and grandparents did, so they're constantly exposed to an anti-Israel climate on college campuses. Their constant advocacy for Palestinians presents Israel as the aggressor. So a lot of soul-searching is going on in Israel over the fact that former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu made engagement with the evangelical community a pillar of his foreign policy. I can also remember how former Prime Minister Ehud Olmert warmed significantly towards Christians, as did Menachem Begin. At a Christians United for Israel conference, Netanyahu told the crowd that they were Israel's best friends. And when former Prime Minister Olmert was invited to one of our prayer meetings in Jerusalem, when he was mayor of Jerusalem, he came and told us believers that we're all watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem and spiritual members of the Israeli Defense Forces. Former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Ron Dermer, is another politician who drew headlines when he said Israel should focus its public relations efforts on evangelicals rather than American Jews. But Israel's new foreign minister and alternative prime minister, Yair Lapid, holds the opposite opinion, saying that the Netanyahu administration had become too close to the conservative evangelical faction of the Republican Party. I think it's prophetically amazing that Ambassador Dermer actually suggested that the Jewish state should make evangelicals a priority over the Jewish diaspora. Dermer said that people have to understand that the backbone of Israel's support in the United States is the evangelical Christians. But now Israelis fear the desire to support Israel is not being transmitted to the younger generations, and they fear the result could be the loss of Israel's most important strategic ally, the United States. Let's consider recent history and how far Jewish-Christian relations have progressed. In the providence of God, my generation was especially appointed to be watchmen and ambassadors related to Israel's rebirth, and that's due to God's timing, and also because many of the Bible teachers in my generation correctly taught premillennial theology concerning the restoration of Israel and the second coming of Jesus. Premillennialism is the belief that Jesus will physically return to earth before the millennium, which will be his literal thousand-year golden age of peace when he rules the world from Jerusalem and restores the kingdom to Israel. Premillennial interpretation of the Bible is the reason why men of God in my generation understood the times and knew that God was restoring Israel according to Bible prophecy. Out of my parents' generation and my own generation grew ministries such as Pat Robertson's Christian Broadcasting Network and the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem, both of which my husband and I were associated with as TV journalists and producers. Pat Robertson was one of our great mentors, and his son Gordon Robertson is following in his footsteps. Also significant was the ministry of the late Reverend Jerry Falwell Sr. and Pastor John Hagee and others who proved to be strong guardians in the church against anti-Semitism. Visionaries such as Pat Robertson 
possessed special revelation in our generation concerning God's eternal purposes for Israel. We first learned about the feasts of the Lord from Pat's teachings. But now, tragically, many of the newer seeker-friendly churches are teaching a diluted, happy-clappy, washed-down theology. They avoid like the plague the vitally important subjects of Israel, Bible prophecy, and the second coming. These omissions are a terrible blindness in light of the fact that so many Bible prophecies are being fulfilled concerning Israel. Yet, the lack of knowledge and ignorance in the next generation of leaders is also a symptom of the prophesied apostasy for the last days. Therefore, I have to warn both the church and Israel that the prophesied apostasy of the last days is unavoidable before the return of Jesus. But God, nevertheless, will always have a remnant who understand the times and who know what Israel must do. Researcher and writer Jim Fletcher told the Jewish News Syndicate that we have a serious educational problem in the evangelical church. Too many people just don't know a lot about any given subject in the Bible. They're smart, but they're starved for information because perhaps he said their pastor is hawking his latest book from the pulpit on Sunday mornings instead of explaining serious issues. So what do we make of this American study? These statistics that according to this study, young evangelical support for Israel has plunged to 33.6% down from 69%. Young evangelicals favoring the Palestinian side rose to 24% in the poll. And those saying they support neither side stood at 42%. The poll focused on evangelicals ages 18 to 29 and was conducted in 2018 by the Barner Group, a research firm that focuses on faith and culture. The results appear to be backed by a couple of earlier polls. I believe the alleged shift could be due to radical and progressive themes continually pushed on college campuses, plus the general de-emphasis on premillennial preaching which focuses on Bible prophecy and the second coming of Jesus. Premillennialism teaches that God's promise to the Jewish people remains intact and that there's yet a major role for the Jewish people to play in the end times. Premillennialism puts an emphasis upon all the Bible prophecies concerning the return of the Jews to the land of Israel. And in contrast, there's a theology called amillennialism sometimes called supersessionism or replacement theology. Amillennialism maintains that God's promises to the people of Israel have already been fulfilled with the advent of Jesus. And so amillennialism mistakenly and very erroneously teaches, contrary to the Bible, that the Jews no longer have a role in the divine plan. Amillennialism is simply not biblical. It eliminates important scriptures and makes God a liar, makes God a covenant breaker with Israel. Yet, many woke pastors have shifted away from solid biblical premillennial teaching to the heretical amillennial teaching. And the church leaders who adhere to amillennial teaching tend to be the younger pastors who attract 
the young evangelicals. So today there's just less focus on eschatology, which is the study of the end times in evangelical churches. Whereas when I grew up, all the evangelical churches focused on the second coming and the excitement of end time prophecy. Ironically, as the day of the Lord's coming draws nearer, in the mega churches, the pastors are not talking about the end times, but rather they're pandering to the more mundane concerns of the young evangelicals. And so if references to Israel and the Jewish people become less frequent, and if the focus shifts away from eschatology, then there is naturally going to be much less understanding about prophecy in the Middle East. I also learned that the Hartford Institute for Religion Research put out a mega church report last year. There are reportedly 1,750 mega churches in America, and they're defined as congregations with 2,000 or more churchgoers. And these megachurches tend to be far more supportive of the Palestinian people due to the fact that they don't engage the people in in-depth Bible teaching. Meanwhile, the alarming new poll has been criticized as misleading. Josh Reinstein is director of Israel's Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, and he told the Jewish News Syndicate that the poll is misleading like many other polls before it. He believes that if the pollsters had only polled young evangelicals in that age group who actually attend church on Sundays, we would see a much higher show of support for Israel. Through several decades of experience reaching out to evangelicals, Josh has observed that evangelical theology acknowledges God's covenant with Abraham as everlasting. Therefore, evangelicals by definition, he said, are pro-Israel. And Pastor John Hagee agrees. Pastor Hagee is chairman and founder of Christians United for Israel, which is the largest pro-Israel organization in the United States. Pastor Hagee tended to dismiss the poll by stating that if you are a Bible-believing Christian, you will be a supporter of Israel. If you're not a Bible-believing Christian, you won't be. End of story. Well, Jim Fletcher, an independent researcher and writer on evangelical issues, has spent 15 years in Christian book publishing, and he said he was not surprised by the poll results. This is because, he says, there's been a mass exodus of young evangelicals from churches, especially when they go to college. Furthermore, Fletcher said, Bible study has been diluted, premillennial theology has been weakened, while social justice issues have been injected into the churches. Noting that some black leadership is very pro-Israel, Jim Fletcher said he is much more concerned about white evangelical leadership with their subtle de-emphasis on the Bible. The seeker-sensitive movement, which began in the 1960s to make church-going more comfortable, Fletcher observed, has spearheaded the uh, movement away from pro-Israel evangelical believers by megachurch pastors such as Rick Warren and others who are not Christian Zionists and their attitudes naturally filtered down to the people. Well, when we were growing up, people brought their Bibles to church and the scripture was read and studied, but now we've noticed that sermons are often life coach sessions 
and people attend church without their Bibles, or they bring their iPads or iPhones to look up a verse if they're so inclined. But you're not going to receive a comprehensive view of Scripture in services where worship is prolonged and preaching is short. A churchgoer is certainly not going to understand Jewish history in those environments. Pastors have also expressed fear of preaching on topics that they think might be controversial, like Bible prophecy. And being controversial goes against the potentiality of church growth. So sadly, packing the pews takes priority over issues like Israel and the Jews. Fletcher's prescription is that Israel needs to come up with a serious strategy beyond just bringing in tourists and engaging with big ministry leaders. He says Israel needs to do grassroots work in American churches. Although many Israelis are hand-wringing over the fact that the country has devoted in their minds too much attention to its evangelical supporters, Fletcher believes, and I agree, that the situation is the opposite. He suggested that Israel needs to establish an actual group that would engage 24-7 with evangelicals. They just don't do it enough. Well, one Israeli who is engaging with Christians and is doing much to build bridges with evangelicals is Jonathan Feldstein, director of the Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation. Jonathan wrote to me that one big question that keeps coming up is this. Even in the most pro-Israel Christian homes and churches, there's very little that connects young Christians to Israel. So Genesis 1-2-3 Foundation believes more needs to be done and Jonathan is looking into ways of connecting the younger Christian generations to Israel. Jonathan also mentioned the extent that the negative media's criticism of Israel influences young Christians to turn them away from Israel. And so that's why ministries such as the Jerusalem Channel are vital, because we need a strong Christian media that emphasizes God's end-time prophecies and covenants with Israel. Meanwhile, it's also imperative that evangelicals must return to regular individual Bible study and imbibe of various biblically-based ministries, such as the Jerusalem Channel and other ministries that are not politically correct, but are biblically correct. We may not be able to change the minds of some intransigent ministry leaders, but individually evangelicals can get into serious Bible study and help to explain the Israeli-Palestinian conflict biblically, in home groups, online, and through social media. Over the years, so-called replacement theology has been one of the major issues that I've exposed and taught about. Replacement theology is an erroneous view that is seriously frowned upon by Christians who love the Bible and who understand God's eternal purposes for Israel. Sadly, in recent years, there has been a major resurgence in replacement theology through negative social action called BDS, standing for boycotts, divestments, and sanctions against the state of Israel, which, don't forget, is the only Jewish nation in the world. The land of Israel is the only haven on earth where persecuted Jews can flee, finally. In the past, they didn't have a sanctuary from anti-Semitism. But the BDS movement is led mainly by anti-Zionist groups within the institutional churches who have picked up the offense of the Palestinians. 
They do not help the Palestinians by hating Israel. They don't promote peace through BDS, which often hurts Palestinian jobs. Christians need to understand that this replacement theology is dangerous and evil because it greatly contributes to anti-Semitism and pogroms against the Jews. We can love the Arabs and advocate for the Palestinians without attacking Israel, which must defend itself against jihadists who shield themselves behind the Palestinian cause and tragically use Palestinians as pawns rather than genuinely trying to help them. I plead with all genuine Bible-believing Christians of faith to understand the times, to understand that God favors at this time the return of the Jews to the Holy Land and that he wants justice for the Palestinians without harming the Jewish people. The Bible, in fact, teaches the acceptance of the Jews as God's chosen custodians of the promised land. This is seen by many scholars and theologians as one of the key aspects of Christian theology, and it's made very clear by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. In essence, replacement theology is the aforementioned amillennialism which wrongly teaches that God is finished with the Jews. Replacement theology is arrogant supersessionism, claiming that the church has succeeded the Jews. But God also made the new covenant with Israel and only later extended it to the Gentile nations. Basically, replacement theology says the church has absorbed all of God's promises to Israel, so the church has succeeded Israel in God's plan and purposes. My friend, Canon Andrew White, the vicar of Baghdad, is one of God's ambassadors in the Middle East to both Jews and Arabs, and our ministry was honored by his ministry a few years ago to receive the Jerusalem Merit Peace and Reconciliation Prize. So we're on the same page as far as Israel and the Middle East are concerned. We believe both the Jews and the Arabs are loved by God. Andrew often reminds us that replacement theology is not a recent development, but its roots are in the early period in the second century known as the Church Fathers. You see, Church Fathers such as Ignatius and Clement of Alexandria and Melito of Sardis and Justin Martyr and later Augustine of Hippo were among the Church Fathers who promoted the Church as the New Israel. But the Pauline epistles and the other epistles in the New Testament never taught that. Neither did the Gospels. With the erroneous teaching of the Church Fathers, it's not surprising that replacement theology became the dominant position on Israel. Canon Andrew White has written about post-Holocaust theology. After World War II, the Church was forced to ask how such an atrocity could have taken place in the midst of supposedly Christian Europe. Tragically, there was a significant number of Christian leaders who didn't condemn the Nazis. Therefore, thankfully, views were forced to change in the way that Judaism is perceived. After the war in 1947, there was a major conference in Silesburg, Switzerland, to reassess Christian theology because of the Holocaust. Christian anti-Judaism had established a culture of contempt against the Jews, thus enabling anti-Semitism to express itself without limitation. The historic gathering was called an International Emergency Conference on Anti-Semitism. And anti-Semitism was named in that conference as a problem affecting the entire civilized world 
and it was rightly labeled as a sin against God and humanity. The conference had been prepared a year earlier during key discussions in Oxford, England, where the foundation was laid for Jewish-Christian dialogue. At Silasburg in 1947, for the first time, a major theological conference was convened by the International Council of Christians and Jews, an organization that Andrew White has served on the executive committee for many years. He said the Swiss Emergency Conference on Antisemitism produced an historic document reassessing how Christians should view the Jews. The following important 10 points were recommended at that conference, and now, 74 years later, I believe, we cannot overemphasize these important 10 points. Number one, remember that one God speaks to all humanity through both Testaments in the Bible. Number two, remember that Jesus was born of a Jewish mother of the seed of David and the people of Israel, and that his everlasting love and forgiveness embrace his own people and the whole world. Three, remember that the first disciples, the apostles, and the first martyrs were Jews. Four, remember that the fundamental commandment of Christianity, to love God and one's neighbor, proclaimed already in the Hebrew Bible and confirmed by Jesus, is binding upon both Christians and Jews in all human relationships without any exception. Five is a much-needed point concerning humility. Christians should avoid disparaging biblical or post-biblical Judaism with the object of extolling Christianity. Six, avoid using the word Jews in the exclusive sense of the enemies of Jesus and avoid the words the enemies of Jesus to designate the whole Jewish people. Seven, avoid presenting the events of the Passion of Jesus in such a way as to bring the blame of the killing of Jesus upon Jews alone. In fact, it was not all the Jews who demanded the death of Jesus. It is not the Jews alone who were responsible for the cross, which saves us all. And it reveals that it's the sins of all for whom Jesus died. Number eight, avoid referring to the scriptural curses or the cry of a raging mob, his blood be upon us and upon our children, without remembering the infinitely more weighty words of the Savior, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Nine, avoid promoting the superstitious and non-biblical notion that the Jewish people are reprobate, accursed, reserved for an endless destiny of suffering. That's just not true. They have a glorious future. Number 10, avoid speaking of the Jews as if the first members of the church had not been Jews. Well, this has been an important program today, and I hope you see the need to become actively involved in praying for the peace of Jerusalem, in understanding the times, and becoming a virtual watchman upon the walls of Jerusalem. In our ministry, we take many groups to walk on the walls and to engage with both Jews and Arabs. You can contact me for a free newsletter and weekly updates through our website, exploits.tv, where you can also watch our free video library in my teaching blog. Our ministry is called Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32, declaring that the people who know their God will be strong and accomplish exploits. Let's connect on social media, and don't forget to download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app to watch our videos on your phones or tablets. Until next time, 
I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm Christine Darig. Shalom.